This is Julie D. from NordoniaHills.News. The Cleveland Sports Show starts now. Hello everyone, happy Sunday. Welcome to another edition of the Cleveland Sports Show today with myself, Darius Sethna. So much to talk about today. I'm very excited um, with all of the sports news going on here in Cleveland. Fourth, first, um, let's get you started off with your sports fact of the week. Today's November 3rd. On this day in 2001, 18 years ago, Mississippi Rebels quarterback Eli Manning, we might know who he is today, throws six touchdown passes, five of them in overtime, but his team loses 58-56 to to the Arkansas Razorbacks at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium in Oxford, Mississippi. The game is tied at 17 apiece before it goes to seven overtimes. In the last overtime, the Razorbacks take a 58-50 lead on a one-yard run by Mark Pierce and a successful two-point conversion. The Rebels then counter with a touchdown but fail on the two-point try. The game lasts a total of four hours and 14 minutes. That is probably longer than two Harry Potter movies combined. Now, let's talk about Nordonia Knights football for a second. We just had a football fact for you. Let's wrap it up with some Nordonia Knights football information, where their final game of the regular season was this Friday in North Royalton, and they ended the regular season in um, amazing fashion, destroying the Bears in North Royalton by a total of 30 points. The final score in that one, 56-26 to 26 in favor of the Nordonia Knights. The Knights finished the season 5-5 five and five and definitely have some momentum to build off of. Let's get you started and updated with the MLS playoffs. Ladies and gentlemen, I did not expect either of these teams to be competing for the MLS Cup title. The final has officially been set. The Seattle Sounders will be taking on Toronto FC at CenturyLink Field in Seattle not this Sunday, but next Sunday, November 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. In the Cup Conference Finals, Seattle, surprisingly, the second seed, defeated the dominant, the heavyweight, LAFC, by a score of 3-1. to one. After Edward Atuesta, in the 17th minute, put LAFC up one to nothing. Royal uh, Rudiaz in the 22nd minute scored the equalizing goal. Nicholas Ladero, four minutes later, put Seattle up 2-1. to one. And then all the way in the second half, in the 64th minute more specifically, um, Rudiaz struck again, in the, um, as I said, in the 64th minute, to put Seattle up 3-1 to one and give the Sounders a chance for MLS Cup glory. Columbus Crew fans, you may remember four years ago when the Seattle Sounders came to Matt Frey Stadium in Columbus to upset the crew um, in a 2-1 to one score. The Sounders will now have home field advantage against the Toronto team who came off um, and defeated the defending champions. Toronto also came back from a deficit in their semifinal matchup. Julian Grissel, in the fourth minute, put Atlanta up with an early goal, one to nothing. Nicholas uh, 
Benetzet in the 14th minute, then equalized the game at one apiece. And late in the second half in the 78th minute, Nick DeLeon scored to put Toronto up 2-1. to one. Atlanta, the defending champs, 19 shots in that game. Only four for Toronto. Atlanta had 60% possession in that game. 551 total passes compared to only 392 for Toronto. Now, these are both very, very um, big upsets in the MLS. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I had LAFC dominating and winning this entire MLS Cup playoff bracket. You know, just seeing how dominant they were in the regular season. The only team to reach at least 70 points. The dominance that we saw from them. They were almost like the Golden State Warriors, you know, with Kevin Durant in the MLS. But they were witnesses of an upset, a 3-1 to one upset from LAFC. And of course, the defending champions, Atlanta United, out. And Toronto FC will have a chance to reclaim MLS Cup glory, as they did a few years back. And ladies and gentlemen, I said last week that we would be talking about a World Series champion in our next episode. And who was that World Series champion? The kick in, here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! The celebration is on! The Washington Nationals are the World Champions! That's right, the Washington Nationals, for the first time in franchise history, are the champions of the MLB, winning the World Series in seven games. This is the first time, ladies and gentlemen, in the long, illustrious history of the MLB in a World Series that the that a team has won four road games. The Washington Nationals won all of the road games in this World Series, lost all of their home games, which is a little odd, and they still were able to win the whole championship. So mathematically, it worked out in their favor. Now, the Nationals were facing elimination heading back to Houston in Game 6 after losing all three of their home games in the World Series. With the series on the line, the Nationals defeated the Astros um, this past Tuesday, 7-2 to the final score. After a, facing a 2-1 to deficit after the first inning, the Nationals scored two runs in the fifth, two runs in the seventh, and then two more runs in the ninth to secure a 7-2 victory. And as I mentioned, the Nationals winning Game 7 this past Wednesday, 6-2 to the final score. In fact, I was actually watching a little bit of the game before I had to go to bed because it was a school night. And the Astros were up 2 to nothing in the bottom of the sixth inning. And I was thinking, there's no way the Nationals can come back. The Astros have pulled off another World Series championship for sure. And then the next day, Halloween, I figure out that in the seventh inning alone, the Nationals scored three individual runs going up 3-2. to two, scoring one more run in the 8th, and then two more in the ninth, pouring it on in three consecutive innings to win their first MLB title in franchise history, 
congratulations to Washington, D.C. and their fans. You now have the Mystics and the Nationals winning championships. Kevin Durant, a D.C. native, must be pretty happy about that. You know what I'm pretty happy about? The fact that the Cavs got their second win out of two home games at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse against the Chicago Bulls. John Beeline picks up his second NBA victory as Tristan Thompson leads away with 23 big points, 5 blocks. That's right, the Cavs picking up a big win this past Wednesday against the Chicago Bulls, who have looked to improve this season with new pieces such as Lowry Markinen, Zach Levine, Otto Porter Jr., Thomas Sadoransky. The Cavs gave them a run for their money. And ladies and gentlemen, let me be very clear. Tristan Thompson is the MVP for the Cavs right now. No, he's not the MVP of the league. It's not that bad. He's the MVP for the Cleveland Cavaliers. A 117-111 to victory for the Cavs. They outscore the Bulls 29-37 to in the fourth quarter to really uh, take momentum in the game and eventually win. Kevin Love with 17 points on the night in 31 minutes. Tristan Thompson, as I mentioned, 23 points, 10 big rebounds, 2 assists in 35 minutes. Darius Garland, 9 points in 25 minutes. Jordan Clarkson is back, ladies and gentlemen, off the bench, giving us 17 points in 26 minutes. And Colin Sexton has been efficient as ever this season. 18 points in 28 minutes. Now, the other two games this past week for the Cavs weren't great, but we're going to let them slide this week. The first loss was last Monday in Milwaukee against the Bucks, where the Cavs lost by 17 points. Cleveland did actually lead by one after the first quarter, but they ran into the defending first seed in the Eastern Conference, Giannis Antetokounmpo. They just came up against a powerhouse and were not ready um, to test that experience out. But the Cavs did hang on. My overall question, and I talked about this on my newest edition of Center Court with Ray Horner, who do you think, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be that closer for the Cavs? Colin Sexton has potential. Darius Garland has potential. Kevin Love has the skill set to do it. But who is going to be able to step up in those closing minutes when the game is close and take the Cavs to the finish line? That is one question that John Beeline will definitely have to answer. And the most recent game for the Cavs was in Indianapolis at Bankers Life Fieldhouse against the Pacers. The Cavs were up by 7 after the first quarter, but then in the second quarter only scored 11 points compared to 23 for Indiana. The Cavs were really just never able to get it going after that. They only lost by 7, but this was definitely a gut-wrenching loss for the Cavs, knowing that they could have left Indianapolis with a win. Kevin Love was efficient, though, on Friday night. 22 points in 35 minutes. Tristan Thompson with his worst game of the season. Only 7 points in a decent amount of time, 31 minutes. Colin Sexton, though, um, had a big night with 21 points in 37 minutes. Jordan Clarkson, as I mentioned, efficient as ever, 20 in points in 27 minutes. Let's get Coach Beeline's take on 
the Cavs' overall performance, especially in that second quarter against the Pacers on Friday night. I loved everything, and uh, the ball just stopped moving in the second uh, quarter. I think I told the, uh, the team, I think we set an NBA record for least passes in one quarter in the second quarter, and we scored 11 points. So that was going to be a 44-point game if we kept that up. We were going to score 44. So uh, other than that, you know, we had some really good moments. Uh, we didn't quit. We, we had a, uh, a good try to come back, but uh, they, uh, they were just better than us tonight. So that is uh, right. John Beeline, math, uh, his math skills clearly have not left him, even though he's 66 years of age. The Cavs only scored 11 points in the second quarter. They're definitely going to need to improve that um, their offensive efficiency as well as their defensive efficiency as they're going to be going up against some quality teams in these next uh, few weeks here. Tonight they play Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. Kristaps uh, Porzingis, the newly acquired Maverick as well. Also expect Tim Hardaway Jr. to have an efficient night tonight. Mavericks Cavs from Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland tonight at 7.30. The Cavs will then play host to the Boston Celtics and Kemba Walker, who have won four straight games and came off a dramatic win against the Knicks thanks to a game winner from Jason Tatum. They'll be coming to the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse Tuesday at 7 p.m. The Cavs will then head to Washington, D.C., the city of champions right now, but uh, not for NBA basketball. They'll be facing off against the Wizards at Capital One Arena, and then they'll head to Madison Square Garden for a matchup with the Knicks next Sunday at 7.30, and as well as Tuesday at 7 p.m. on November 12th. They'll be at Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia to take on the Sixers. We'll have more to talk about in those games, uh, specifically once uh, once they get closer in our schedule. But for right now, the Mavericks, the Celtics, and the Wizards are the three big teams the Cavaliers are going to have to worry about this week. And fans, what day is it today? I think it's a little bit of a game day, is, is it? That's right, the Browns in another game against um, on this Sunday afternoon. Not going to be at 1 p.m., though, as we usually want it to be. This time, it's at 4.25. The Browns are all the way in Denver, in the Mile High City, to take on the Broncos. The Browns came off a rough game against the defending Super Bowl champions, the New England Patriots, at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. The Browns, after the first quarter, were down 17 to nothing. Um, they were able to uh, narrow the deficit a little bit, scoring seven points in the second quarter to cut the lead to 10 at halftime. But the Patriots um, outscored the Browns in the second half 10 to 6 to win the game 27 to 13. The Patriots are now 8 and 0 on the season, undefeated. The Browns are 2 and 5 on the season. As I mentioned, the Browns have a big game today in Denver against the Broncos. The Broncos are not doing very well this season. However, they are 2 and 6 
um, on the season. They've lost their last two games, and they're 1-3 and three at home. So the Browns definitely have a chance this afternoon to snatch a game from the Broncos. Let's take a little bit of a deeper dive into this game for the afternoon and see what some of the NFL's best analysts have to say for the Browns this Sunday. The Browns are back on the road again, hoping the western part of the country is easier on them than the east was. Denver will be waiting, both teams desperately needing a win, just to feel like the rest of the season might have some kind of purpose. Predictions are up in a sec. First, though, the numbers game. Baker Mayfield meet a sophomore slump. Oh, he tosses it right into the arms of Lawrence Guy. you got to be kidding me. Mayfield threw his league-leading 12th interception, and the Browns' passing attack failed to reach 200 yards again last week. On the season, the Browns are 31st in completion percentage and 30th in passer ratings. Their failures in the passing attack continuing to mar their season. It's not going to get any easier this week either. Set. Spin. Oh, he gets away. Oh, he loses the football. And Denver's got it on the strip. Malik Reed. The Broncos sacked Jacoby Brissett four times and more importantly held him to 202 passing yards and didn't allow him to throw a single TD. None of that is a surprise, really, being they've allowed the fifth lowest passer rating this season. Really, you might think the best way to control the game against them is via the ground. They're not soft, but they've been giving up a little over four yards a carry, which could play into Cleveland's primary strength on offense. He cuts back, has some room, nice piece of running this time, and he's going into the secondary and down to the 10, fumbles again! Fumbles and is recovered by New England. It's unfortunate Nick Chubb fumbled away a couple balls. Plus, he hadn't fumbled since his junior season in college. But it overshadowed the rest of his night that saw him gash the vaunted Pats D for 131 yards at a robust 6.6 yards a carry. The Browns' season average now sits at over 5.5 yards per run, tops in the NFL. The problem is they haven't been able to use their ground attack as much as they'd like. They're just 27th in rush attempts, a partial product of being behind a lot, but also a product of their play calling. The Broncos, too, should also try and let their ground game lead the way, as it represents a key statistical mismatch in this contest. Denver's been averaging more than four yards a carry on the season, while Cleveland has one of the worst yards per carry allowed figures in the league. Plus, they do not want Brandon Allen, who will start for Joe Flacco, who is out with a neck injury, having to try and avoid Miles Garrett and company. Brown's pass rush got to Tom Brady three times last week and are tied for ninth overall in sacks. The Broncos, Flacco was sacked three times last week, and they've given up 27 sacks on the year, which is tied for fifth most. Can they keep the NFL sack leader off their young QB? Or are Baker's boys ready to try and get the second half of their season off on the right foot? Let's see what our NFL media panel thinks. Pass. Now, to be more specific for you, ladies and gentlemen, um, those um, predictions include all um, in favor for the Browns. So this is a much, much better prediction um, outline than we've had these last few weeks.
One analyst has the Browns by three, another has them by 14, and then another has them by three again. So expected to be a close game this afternoon, but we should expect the Browns to come out with a victory in their second half of the season. Currently, the Browns are third in the AFC North division standings. At two and five, they've lost three in a row, but they are two and two on the road, looking to get back at three and two and improve their road record on the year. The upcoming schedule for the Browns after their battle in Denver against the Broncos today, they'll head back home for a three-game homestand at First Energy Stadium against the Buffalo Bills, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Miami Dolphins. We will have all those games for you um, here broken down at the Cleveland Sports Show studios in the next coming weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, before I get going which means that this is close to the end of our show, I want to let you know that if you haven't checked out my Twitter account in a while, you may want to do that. I've been posting a lot of information um, regarding my radio show with Ray Horner every Friday morning. You can catch it live at 6.45 on 93.5 FM on that radio station. I also post all of our um, episodes of Center Court on my Twitter account, so if you haven't seen those or um, heard of them, make sure you check it out. I also post all of these podcasts on Twitter, uh, as well as on Spotify, so you can take the Cleveland Sports Show with you um, on the go wherever you are. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for um, listening to my show today. Really appreciate um, all of your support. We will see you in a few days for our next episode of the Cleveland Sports Show. Until then, everyone, take care. Thank you so much for listening. Go Cavs, go Browns, and just in general, go Cleveland. Thank you, guys.